traveled over to Westfield, Indiana in 2018 to visit Jake Gilbert at Westfield High School, the Shamrocks. And uh, Coach Gilbert had formerly coached at Wabash College, a very high-level football coach, and uh, really, he ended up doing five total videos. Uh, these two right here are incredible. I think you'll enjoy them. If you want to see them, uh, they are on our YouTube channel now. If you want to see our most recent stuff, that's over at clinic.chiefpigskin.com. Hello, my name is Jake Gilbert. I'm the head football coach at Westfield High School. I've had the pleasure of coaching and specifically coaching defense at all levels of football, youth, middle school, high school, and college. Uh, one thing that I believe in is for you to be a great defense, you have to be great tacklers. Our teams that have advanced to the state championship were the best tackling teams we had always. And if we've gotten compliments on anything, it has been not only how we tackle as individuals, but how we tackle as a team. And that's what we're going to discuss today. Some technique on how we tackle individually and what we teach, but also some team concepts that I think are often overlooked when it comes to coaching defense. So let's get started. First, when it comes to our fundamentals, our tackling has, has been influenced by lots of sources over the years. More recently, uh, Heads Up Football from USA Football and the Seattle Seahawks and their tackling system. But one thing I, I have believed over the years is sometimes less is more. When I first started coaching, I would give kids 15 to 20 points of how to make a perfect tackle, and I thought it just made them robotic. So much of tackling is attitude and effort and just technique and aggressiveness. We never want our kids to uh, lose sight of that or dismiss any of that as they go to make a tackle. One time I had a coach tell me, you know what's a good tackle? One that gets the guy on the ground. So we don't want to over uh, complicate things here, but at the same time, we want to make sure that we teach technique perfectly. You can see here are some things that are very similar to the heads up football system, but some things that we've added to make it kind of our own. We do teach the breakdown position, feet, squeeze, sink hands, which is very similar to USA football, just to make sure our guys know how do I play in an athletic position. That's a very basic, basic uh, starting point, but that's what we start with, especially in our youth, and make sure that we understand an athletic position, make sure kids know how to bend their knees. Okay, the next four um, words here, close the gap, the hip position, rip and shoot, are uh, basically a progression of how a tackle is made. So we'll go through each of these in individual sequence. When we talk about close the gap, we really are referring to the angles that you take to make the tackle and when you're about to make the tackle, the body position you have. So you need to close the gap the right way. The first thing there is a downhill inside out angle. So many times guys run over the top or lateral and the ball cuts back and that's what produces the biggest, most explosive plays in football. If you watch, anytime there's an explosive play, there's a good chance that the ball cut back across someone's face. We never want to allow that happen, to happen. So we want to close the gap the right way and take away the cutback. I believe in being downhill. I think defenders need to be downhill and aggressive right at the football. And inside out means you're going to track that near hip. So your eyes should be right on that near hip as you pursue the ball carrier. But not only that, it's almost like there should be a magnet on that hip that attracts you right to that hip. When we get to where contact is imminent, we want to buzz our feet. So buzz to me means we are going to lower our pad level and take short choppy steps, but not stop our feet. I don't say break down in the middle of a tackle and I don't yell, come to balance. I, I don't want anything that implies your feet should stop moving. 
but your feet do need to uh, quicken and take shorter choppy steps so that your pad level can lower. Remember, low man still wins in this sport. So you need to be lower than the ball carrier until it's unsafe to do so. So when contact is imminent, we want to start to buzz, which really is going to be the last two or three steps. If they start to buzz too early, then the ball carrier will run away from the defender. So make sure that you teach the proper body position there. I would also just add, don't lunge. So many times people get close and instead of taking that extra step or two, they want to lunge or they want to reach, both of which put your body in a very vulnerable, unsafe position. We want to lead with our chest and shoulder in the hip position, which we'll find in a second, and buzzing correctly helps us do that. Okay, last couple things here, just for emphasis. Squareness is strength. Whenever we want to take on ball car carriers, we want to be square, um, both as a team defensively. I think that that closes doors and windows for ball carriers to run in, but then also individually. When you turn, it's like opening a door and telling the ball carrier, hey, run right here. But if you stay square, I think the ball carrier sees that and looks for a different place to run. When you're about to make contact, you're just going to be stronger if you lead with the same foot, same shoulder. And I think you need to be square most of the time to do that. And then lastly, a reemphasis on never let the ball cross your face. When you're ready to make a tackle or when you're just pursuing in general, never, ever, ever let the ball cross your face. So when you track the near hip, you're planning on leading with the near shoulder and stepping with the near foot, it all lines up. But when you get turned, things get out of whack. Or if the ball crosses your face, things get out of whack. So we want to make sure that we keep the ball right where we want it to be and we dictate to the offense. Being square is a good way to do that. Okay, head up. You've got to see what you hit. This is nothing new, um, but make sure that we never, ever, ever drop our head. Sometimes that's harder, and sometimes I think people teach the, like the hawk tackling system or the roll tackle a little too early because kids have to have the strength to keep their head up even on that. So we want to make sure we're not diving and, and leading with the crown of our helmet. We want to make sure our head is up and we see what we hit for safety and also for effectiveness. If your head's down you can't see what you hit, you'll get juked. So we want to make sure that that's not the case. We want to to lead with the shoulder and chest area like I talked about. So that means we ought to slide our head to the side whenever we make contact. Okay, and then our strike point is chest on thigh. So realistically, if you square someone up and your, your aiming point is chest on thigh, as you explode through the ball carrier and unlock your hips, you will work up his body a little bit. But then hopefully with your pads, you're right here on the soft part of the ball carrier. That's a good profile tackle, a good base tackle where you tackle right through the man. But we want to start and we teach chest on thigh. We want to be very specific and intentional where we tell our, our guys um, where their pads should go, how their bodies should be positioned. And so chest on thigh is our strike aiming point. So we need to bend our knees and make sure that we're lower than the ball carrier, which we already addressed. Get lower than the ball carrier until it's dangerous to do so. And then lastly, this area that I keep talking about is right where you want to lead, that, that shoulder, upper chest area. And that keeps your head up and that allows you to ascend and strike a blow on the rise. Okay, and then hands above eyes is the rip fashion. So when we rip, we want to throw double uppercuts and really drive our arms up into the outside of the defender. Obviously, um, in game situations, things are constantly changing even as you make the tackle and you see guys drill all the time where an offensive player's hands are up in the air and you can 
naturally get that rip position. I know it's not always that easy in the game, but one way or the other, we still want to rip. Part of the reason is I think it, it helps us keep our head up and out of contact, and it helps us bring our hips. If you really are violent and throw double uppercuts, then that helps you unlock your hips and be an explosive tackler. And again, just keeps your chest and head up as opposed to down uh, in a dangerous position. Once we've ripped and, and thrown those double uppercuts, we want to grab cloth at the top. Don't just throw your punches, but grab and pull down once you have something. And then the last fundamental is feet and finish. So for us, on contact, we want to unlock our hips and run our feet. You hear people say drive for five or um, feet, 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 feet. Whatever your coaching cue is, they need to run their feet on contact. If you watch tacklers at the smallest age, it's so obvious that this part is not as natural as we give it credit for because a lot of times they make contact and then fall to their knees. So I think it needs to be coached. I think you need to coach to drive through the man and run your feet on contact. Maintain a good base. If you get too narrow, you don't have any power. If you get too wide, you can't adjust and he can get out of your grasp possibly or you'll get run over because you don't have a base that way either. So keep a good base with feet pretty much underneath your hips and try to step on his toes and drive the ball carrier backwards. Now let's look at some film and address these fundamentals. Okay, let's take a look at the video. Right here you can see a player in our off-season workouts working the hit position. I love the knee bend. I love the same foot, same shoulder body position. I love that his head is up. He, his strike point is pretty good. Uh, we say chest on thigh, knowing that a lot of times it may be a little bit higher than that, but that's still the aiming point we give our guys. On this clip, we'll see the defender run and buzz to the hip position. Again, we want to make sure that on the buzz steps, we lower our pad level and that we get into that hip position on the move. Pretty easy to line up in the hip position, but now let's see if the defender can do that on the move. Sprint, buzz, good. See how he sinks that chest right in there, that, that shoulder and upper chest, and he's leading with that. Head is out of contact. Again, same foot, same shoulder, very good rep. Now from this point, we're going to start in the hip position and we're going to rip. Notice the double uppercuts. Watch the power. Watch, watch how his head stays out of contact. Up. Watch how his hips unlock. This is the same drill. We're still throwing double uppercuts. We're still grabbing cloth, but we're going to rip three times. And on the third one, we can move and run our feet. Rip. Reset. Rip. Reset. Rip. Run your feet on contact. And then we're going to put it all together. So on this drill, the, ball, the defender is going to essentially tackle the ball carrier. We're obviously staying up here. We're inside some off-season work. But he's going to sprint, buzz, rip, shoot all at once, feet and finish. It's a little harder to shoot your hips when you don't go to the ground. That's the one element of all this technique that I think you need to overcoach when you do go to the ground because they don't get it all the time when you stay up. Okay, now we're going to move on and talk about the roll tackle. So the roll tackle is very similar to the profile tackle. We still have the same aiming points, but we're going to finish the tackle the right, a different way. So we want to make sure if we can square up on the ball carrier, we're going to square up on the ball carrier and we're going to take him to the ground by driving him straight back, hitting on the rise and exploding straight through his body. 
Sometimes that's not the case. You need to roll tackle when you're at some sort of disadvantage. It could be a size disadvantage. Maybe you're a lot smaller than the ball carrier and you need to create an angle for yourself so that you can roll him down to the ground. Maybe it's a leverage disadvantage. He's outside of you. You don't have a lot of time. You've got to roll him down right now. Essentially, that's the only way you're going to catch him. You can't run around and get squared up. Maybe it's a speed disadvantage. You've got the angle, but he's just faster than you. So as you uh, address the ball carrier downhill inside out, you're going to have to roll him from the backside because that's the only way you're going to catch him. So I just want to point this out here. So in the fit position on the roll, pretty similar. We're still uh, attacking the near hip. We're still same foot, same shoulder. We're still leading with the same area of our body, the chest and, and shoulder. But notice the fit is going to be a little bit different. We, we say cheek to cheek. So we really want our defender to snuggle up and get hit the cheek on his face up to the butt cheek of the ball carrier. Here we're going to step into the fit position and get ready to roll. So again, you can see here he's attacking the backside a little bit of the ball carrier, and it'll be a little more clear here. So now we're going to run and buzz. We just showed you the buzz to fit. This would be more of a run to buzz to fit for the roll tackle. So you can see our ball carrier here is turned a little bit, even our defender is squared up because this is what roll tackle comes from when the leverage is a little bit different and you catch the ball carrier from behind. Sprint, buzz, to that fit position on the roll. Watch it again. Okay, now we're going to go back to that fit position and we're going to go ahead and roll our offensive player down to the ground. So when we, the rip portion of this tackle is more of a wrap. So our arms will actually come around the knees, hug the knees in, and then we'll roll. We always roll to our leverage side. We don't want to roll back across whatever side of the offensive ball carrier that we're on, that's the side we'll roll to. And we're going to alligator roll him down and finish with ourselves on top. If you get really good at this, make sure you teach centrifugal force. If you can pull your knees in and keep your feet close together, you'll roll a lot more violently and it just protects you from leg whipping someone else or getting your own lower, you know, legs injured because they hit someone. So here's the wrap, and now here it is from this angle. So you can see cheek to cheek on the fit position, and now let's take it to the ground. So you can see there our tackler is going to roll to his leverage size and roll the defender down. Here's an example of the roll tackle with the buzz into the roll, so very, very safe to practice. Part of it is teaching guys how to drill together. Now let's go to some game video and see if the drills and techniques that we've just taught are producing plays in the game. If you watch here, number 42, our inside linebacker to the right, our right, uh, will take a good downhill inside angle. When we talked about closing the gap, we said that that was important to eliminate cutback, but also um, just to make sure that we close the gap the right way as a whole team defense. So as we teach tackling, we'll, we'll get to why that's so important here in just a second. Here's another example of downhill inside out, but from a safety. So the near safety here, 37, who's working towards the middle of the field, is going to be downhill inside out on this jet. You watch how his angle is on the near hip of the offensive ball carrier. It should look like a banana path or a curved path, not chopped up with square cuts.
Now let's just watch a few tackles to see if we use the technique that we've just taught. This is what we call the profile tackle or just a base tackle. I'm going to show you from a couple different positions. So here our inside linebacker on the left is going to scrape to the outside, stay square and make a good tackle. Now let's watch it from the end zone view. So again, here we're watching number 42. He'll scrape to his left. Now look, same foot, same shoulder. I'd like for his knees to bend a little bit more, make sure that the strike point is chest on thigh. But pretty good job of staying square. Pretty good job of buzzing. Same foot, same shoulder. Does a great job feet and finish, unlocking his hips. Another good example of a profile tackle here. Watch how the corner here squares up. You can see the importance of squareness as he goes feet and finish. I love how his feet run on contact. Okay, again, another profile tackle or just good base tackle here. Watch our safety. Our safety is coming downhill. So number 22 here as he fills in the middle of the field into the hole, unlocks his hips on contact. Watch as he's under control, buzz right there, buzz, unlocks his hips, head is to the side and out of contact. Now here's an example of a roll tackle in the open field. So number 22 at the top of your screen, he'll make a roll tackle up by the numbers. He comes from a far way, but notice that he's downhill inside out. Great angle. Watch him roll. So this is a size disadvantage for us. So this ball carrier is a huge kid. Number 22, not quite as big as him. Probably best for him to take this as a roll tackle. Right there. Rolls and finishes on top. Okay, a couple more examples of roll tackles. Here would be an example of a defensive end making a roll tackle. So to be clear, we, we practice both the profile tackle and the roll tackle. This isn't like some gimmick. This is just tackling for us. So we practice this just as often as the other. And I believe that situationally, all positions use both tackles. So here's an example of a defensive lineman, even though they don't play in space as much, making a roll tackle in number eight right here. So if you look at the right of the screen, Number eight beats the block, rolls him down inside out. Okay, and then here's a linebacker. So we showed you a safety, a defensive end. Now let's look at the from the inside, the end zone view, number 34, a linebacker on the left. He's got the quarterback on the gap exchange. Defeats the block, roll tackle. And then here's 34 again, backside inside linebacker, flow away. Good downhill inside out angle, takes away the cutback, roll tackle from the backside.
Okay, now we'll transition a little more into the team tackling portion of the talk. When we tackle as a team, guys have certain roles and they need to be able to identify that. We want to make sure that we fully explain what these are and what the job is and what we expect of them. We're not just tackling the ball carrier. Everyone has a job when we tackle as a team. So as you can see here, I've listed four roles. The force player, sometimes people will call that an edge defender. Uh, the fill player, who's always downhill hill inside out. The secondary force player, who basically makes the force player right. And then a backside pride defender. And we'll also talk about the concept of corralling the football and keeping the ball inside of us. That's a team technique we'll spend a lot of time in at the end of the film. Okay, so force players, they need to make the tackle or force the ball back inside. If they can make the tackle, we want them to make the tackle. They always want to make sure that they're squared up and they're attacking the outside hip of the ball carrier. Again, they're the edge of the defense. Nothing can get outside of them unless we end up using the sideline as the force defender, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But the force player has to force the ball. We never want to force the ball too far up the field because the ball carrier can then just duck in and get right back outside. So we never allow our force defenders, whether that be a defensive end, an outside linebacker, a safety, a corner, to force more than one yard deeper than the ball carrier. If the force, if the force defender were to miss the tackle, we need to make sure that he's attacking the outside leg of the ball carrier. I think that's an important point. There's missed tackles and there's wrong tackles. We don't like either, but we definitely want to make sure that the force defender is not tackling the inside of the ball carrier ever. Fill players are everyone else almost. So you're downhill inside out, and again, you're attacking that near hip. You're running that banana pass or curved pass where you take away the cutback of the offensive player. We never want to let the ball cross our face. If the ball cuts back across the defense, you're wrong. So make sure that you're downhill inside out and take away um, the ball carrier. If the force defender does his job, he's going to force the ball back to you. Make sure that you're attacking that near hip and trusting your teammate to force the ball back inside. The worst thing we can do is get over the top of the ball carrier, and now we have two guys outside, no one inside. The secondary force player essentially fits off of the force player. This could be the cover three corner forcing off the, fitting off the outside linebacker. Uh, this could be a safety and cover two fitting off the corner. You basically arrive to the party a little later and you need to make sure that the force player is right. Sometimes it's not gonna go as planned. Maybe the ball does get outside that outside linebacker. In that case, the cover three corner has to be the secondary force player and force the ball back inside to the rest of the team. Sometimes the ball may uh, turn and the corner takes a chance and shoots inside and the ball bounces back out. Maybe the corner sets hard outside and the ball turns up and then tries to get back outside. Either way, that cover two safety still has to keep the ball inside of him. That would be examples of a secondary force player. And then lastly, pride. That would just be the touchdown saving angle that you may have a backside player like a backside corner take in case the ball does break, that person can keep points off the board. Here's an example of what a one high defense would look like to me. So you can see here, uh, we have a strong safety rolling down, who's a force defender if they run that direction. The entire box, the three linebackers, the four defensive linemen, they're all downhill inside out, filling on that ball, and so is the free safety. 
the corner on the play side, he's probably bailing to take a deep third here, and he will fit off of that safety and make him right. He's secondary force. And then the backside corner has the pride angle. Here's a look at two high tackling as a team. So again, uh, the force defender in this instance is the corner outside running play to the defense's right. Now the safety on that side becomes secondary force and will fit off the corner and make the corner right. Everybody else is downhill inside out, filling, taking away cutback, except for that backside corner who again can take that pride angle. Let's take a look at this on film. Okay, let's start the film with this. Let's identify a force defender setting the edge. If you look to the right of your screen, our left cornerback is the force defender here. Watch his squareness. Let's make sure that he sets the edge properly. All the other players, if you really watch this pursuit, should be downhill inside out, except for that safety up top who's coming late and is the secondary force defender. So again, right here, you can see the force defender is square, hopefully doing a good job keeping his inside foot up so he can hit with near foot, near shoulder, forcing the ball back to all the pursuit that's coming downhill inside out. And then you can see now our secondary force defender showing up late. He's to the farthest right of the screen, making that corner right just in case the ball were to dip outside of him. Now let's look at some good fill players, some downhill inside out angles. I know we showed a couple examples of this already in regards to closing the gap. I love our safety's angle here, 37. So we're playing man-to-man, -man, man free right here. So our free safety reads run. Look how downhill he is on this hash. He's a good six, seven yards downhill because that's where the ball is declaring. But once the ball declares out, he begins to turn and be downhill inside out on that near hip of the ball carrier. You can see our force defender staying square out on the outside. A good job here, setting an edge. Now we can get him inside out. Here he comes downhill inside out. You can see the edge defender out there. Okay, here's a downhill inside out by a linebacker. Same kid I showed you earlier. Defensive ends doing a good job of staying square on the outside. We've got a force defender coming in the strong safety or outside linebacker, but our inside linebacker, downhill inside out, straight to the ball, take the run through. We want our guys to, to be encouraged to play fast and play aggressive and take the run through if it's there. Now I just want to show a couple clips of just squareness. We talked about that a little bit in terms of technique. It's also just important from a team tackling standpoint. Here we are playing a zone team that's excellent. We need to stay square and make sure that no one gets turned. As soon as you get turned, it just like water finds a crack, this running back's going to find that opening. So we need the whole defense to stay square and keep doors shut so that the ball declares where we want it to declare. In this situation, the ball cuts right back to where we want it to be. So if you were to look at us here, two tights, a whole lot of gaps for us to defend. Ball moves away. But really, there's nowhere for the ball to go except for back here where we have an unblocked defender. And we're very comfortable in that situation. Here would be another example of squareness. So watch how square our guys are on the defensive line, staying up front. We're, we're not against penetration, but we are against getting turned. So we want to make sure our guys stay square 
so that like on this play, our inside linebacker can fit right there because that's the opening. Notice he went unblocked. So again, squareness is strength. We want to declare where that ball is going to go. Okay, one more example. So here's an example of a gap play where we have a stun on. So as the defensive line, we're slanting and pinching here. We're, we're going to kind of reduce that edge. Watch how square these three linebackers, this outside and the two inside linebackers are when they meet these blocks over here. So this is a power play. They're pulling guys. They're, they're creating extra gaps. But look at the squareness of those three kids meeting the ball carrier with force. I think that's very important for team defense. Okay, now we'll move into the last segment of our talk. We want to talk through specific drill work and how we teach tackling on an individual level and as a team at Westfield High School. Some of these drills are just one person getting better at tackling, but you'll see we also do what I think happens in games. We'll practice tackling together with a teammate, something I didn't do very much early in my career. We were excellent individual tacklers, or at least so I thought, but we didn't spend enough time on team tackling. We're going to spend time showing you both right here. The first drill is just a simple angle tackle drill, which everyone in America does. The reason I put this on here is I just want to make sure you understand that this is the time to teach the downhill inside out angle. So you watch here on the diagram, our defender is going to make sure he gets downhill either way the ball carrier goes. The ball carrier has a two-way go. We just want to make sure we're emphasizing getting downhill first and then to the near hip on a downhill inside out angle. The second drill, we're going to work the roll tackle. So we want to make sure that on this roll tackle, uh, we kind of showed you the fit and the technique a little bit. When we do an actual drill where we're going full go roll tackle, we'll either roll the, the, the tackle wheel or we'll have the ball carrier drag a bag behind him and we'll be downhill inside out, just like on that angle tackle drill. But now instead of squaring up on the ball carrier, we're going to wrap and roll like we showed you with the technique earlier. So the offensive ball carrier here would be dragging a bag behind like a step over. On this drill, we're going to take a downhill inside uh, out angle to attack the ball carrier, but we're also using the sideline as a defender. So we don't want to be afraid to the point that we have to get over the top and let the ball cut back. We've got him pinned into the sideline. The only thing we can't do is let the ball cut back across our face. The sideline never fails. It never uh, lets the ball carrier get outside of him. He's a great force defender. So we want to force this ball into the sideline. And the drill would look like this, kind of a downhill inside out angle where we emphasize that and let our guys attack. This is a two-on-one tackling drill. We use this as a, in, in our takeaway search, uh, circuits to force fumbles and get the ball out. But we also use this just in sheer tackling to emphasize one player sets the edge and must stay square and keep his inside foot and inside shoulder as the, the first contact on the ball carrier. And then the other defender is the downhill inside out field player who can take an angle at that football. There's your force defender setting the edge. Here's the second defender in. He's going to rip the ball out, hopefully force a fumble. We practice that quite a bit. The corral. So if you really study football, 
Defensively, it's a series of corrals. Sometimes there are solo tackles, of course, the spread offense, the option offenses. That's what they're trying to do is put you into one-on-ones. We don't want that. We want the opposite. We like game tackling. I think you get more takeaways, uh, less explosive plays, less missed tackles. So we really practice tackling together. Sometimes there's two-man corrals. Sometimes there's two-on-two corrals where there's one blocker, two defenders. Sometimes there's three-man corrals. Sometimes there's three-on-two corrals where there's a blocker or three defenders. We practice all those scenarios, but we want to make sure that we stay square to the ball carrier and we don't open up doors and let the ball carrier out of the corral. Sometimes you'll find a ball carrier in the midst of three defenders. And really the only way you can screw it up is if someone gets turned and lets the ball cross their face. So we really make sure we work hard on staying square, attacking, not giving the ball carrier an inch to, to get outside of that corral, and then the guy on top puts the lid on the corral and we make a good gang tackle. This would be an example. So when we do some of these drills, we don't spend uh, a, a ton of time on the contact part of the drill. You, you have to decide what's the purpose of your drill. So some of those drills, like that corral drill, for example, we're working the angle of tackling so that we're in the right place when we tackle. So we don't always tackle to the ground. We don't always even wrap up. A lot of times we're just tagging off at the bottom because the purpose of the drill is to take the right angle together. Perfect for practice when you're not in pads. And then the last thing I want to show is just Here's an old pursuit drill a lot of people do. Ball runs out to the sideline and everyone kind of takes an angle where they would meet the ball. I think that's a bad drill. First of all, why did the ball get to the sideline? <laughs> Who let the ball outside? Uh, we, we don't usually do that. We try to condense the field, set an edge, and play on less field. Why would we want the ball to get out there? But secondly, if we don't force the ball, I don't want guys taking pursuit angles where they're trying to anticipate where a ball carrier might be on the sideline, and then he cuts back across our face. Maybe one defender or pride tackler, but everyone else should be taking away those cutback lanes. Our pursuit drill is a little different. Um, we set up coaches and areas within the defense. We'll call out a, a defense and coaches will be staged. So let's say if we lined up in a cover two shell, at that point, I'm going to point to a coach and that coach is going to pretend he has the ball. And the entire defense should swarm over there and corral that coach. If anyone lets the coach out of the corral, they've messed up and hurt the team. But everyone's angle should be downhill inside out. Now after that point, you can have all the players sprint to a line and get back in line or sprint through a line and get back on the sideline. So from a conditioning standpoint, you can still run them hard but we try to get actual work where we practice angles of plays that would really happen in a game. Let's say they do get a toss outside to you. Let's say they do complete a pass in the curl. What angle should everyone take? But that happens a whole lot more the, the, than the ball just gets all the way to the sideline and turns up. That doesn't happen to our defense ever. So we wanna make sure that we are practicing the right way. So now let's look at some film and see if we can put this into practice and drills and then see if it shows up in games. Okay, the first drill we're going to show you is the angle tackle drill. We'll show you from a couple different angles. Again, if you watch the defender here, the offensive player can go either way. He doesn't know, but he's downhill no matter what. Watch how he steps onto that W before he declares. So this is a great downhill inside-out angle. Once you get over to the ball carrier right here, he has to make a decision. Can he square up and drive the defender back? Does he need to make a roll tackle? Part of it may depend on his job. 
Typically, if you have a force defender outside of you and you're tackling on an angle, you're probably going to be able to square him up. But if not, uh, if the force defender hasn't gotten there yet, then you probably need to roll tackle. Here it is from straight behind. Again, I, I like that he's about a yard back behind the ball carrier. I like that he's aggressive downhill. This was a good linebacker for us. I like that he's on that near hip. Okay, here's two on one. Again, one player is going to be the, the force defender and set the edge. Another player is going to be downhill inside out. And then you can practice different techniques. Some people like to rip the ball out. Some people like to lift and punch. Some people just punch, period. Whatever you think is best there can work for two on one. Here we're actually ripping the ball out. So again, here it is from this angle. We have an edge defender, a force defender on our left. And then the guy on the right has the courage to go in there and punch the ball out. Here it is from straight on. So again, we are working angles. I like the hit position of the linebacker on the left. I think he's very square to the ball carrier. Uh, and then the, the guy on the right is working on the takeaway skill. Okay, here's our corral drill. So this would be a three-on-one corral. So again, the two near defenders need to make sure that they're downhill first. That's the number one mistake in this, is that they just run lateral. They need to be downhill first and step over that line as they attack this ball carrier. I think they've done that now, and so now they're starting to, to make sure that they bend back. You watch our defender at the top of the corral. He's downhill immediately, and here's what we want. Don't let the ball out of the corral. If you have the offensive ball carry hemmed up where there's three of you and one of him, how on earth can you get beat by letting him out? But you'd be shocked if you really, really watch your film at how many times defense comes down to these scenarios, three on one or two on one or three on two or two on two, and you don't fit it right, and that's why you miss the tackle. If you just fit it right, you can't help but to make the tackle sometimes. Now, I put this on as an example of how it can go wrong. Let's say this guy gets turned and selfish and he lets the ball out of the corral. Now we have two defenders to the left of the ball carrier who have nothing they can do to help the team because the guy to the right didn't do his job and forced the ball. This would be a two-on-one corral in big space. These are linebackers here, but this would maybe be what it looks like for two cover, two safeties. I think if you can do it in big space, you can do it in small space. We want to make sure that we're taking proper angles. I want the ball carrier to also try to get out of the corral. Our kids love working on this. We make it a game and a competition. They try to score. And then, again, we're not working on taking guys to the ground or hitting here. That's why they're tagging off. We're just working on taking a proper angle. And then the last corral drill I'll show you here is a two-on-two. Two. So now we've introduced a blocker. So the kid in the black shorts and the gray shirt would represent a fullback or a pulling guard. There's our two defenders who have to stay square. Now, there's a blocker to deal with, but look at the great job that the kid with the green shirt on the left of the screen is doing. He is uh, staying square. Again, his near foot is up, his near shoulder. He's taking on that block with power and force and forcing it right back to his buddy who's in perfect position to make the tackle. Here's the same drill from a different look. So they go the opposite direction, but again, stay square on that lead blocker. Now look at the fit, the hit position by the linebacker coming from behind. So as long as they work in tandem together, we've got a pretty good chance. Here's the sideline corral drill that we talked about. 
So the sideline is represented by the white line here. The ball carrier is standing on the sideline. He's just going to run vertical, but he can cut back or change speeds. The defensive player needs to be far away back, um, from the ball carrier that he can sprint. But again, we want a downhill inside out angle, which will end up in the shape of a U or a banana. Takes away the cutback. So he's not the force defender in this situation. We have another force defender. In this exact situation, it's the sideline. The worst thing he could do would be to run lateral here and let the ball cut back. But if he takes a good downhill inside out angle, we'll take the ball away. Okay, here you see the cutback. So now this time, downhill inside out allows our defender to square back up and make the tackle right here without the ball crossing his face. Now let's see if this translates to the games. Okay, in this instance, uh, the offense catches a little out route. You can see a good two-man corral. Maybe you could argue that if you use the sideline here, this is a three-man corral. But the only thing we can do uh, to screw this up, we've got two on one, is to let the ball out of this corral. So we want to make sure that we set the edge and we're downhill inside out. Two-man corral. Again, if you go back and watch film, defense is a series of these corrals. I showed that one because that was between a corner and, and an, a safety who was rolled down. Here's two inside players on a corral. So two inside linebackers. So right here, there's uh, a blocker and our safety's coming and our linebacker from the other side. So even with the blocker right there, you can see number 42 on the left is getting blocked, but he sets the edge, declares where the ball should go, and it should go right here to those two unblocked defenders coming, and there's your three-on-one corral right there. Here's another inside running corral. Great look from the end zone. So again, a gap play here. So now at this point, this inside linebacker sets the edge on the blocker, and here's our other inside linebacker, just like the drill we just showed you with a two-on-two -two corral. Now here's a corral out in space, so a clear three-on-one corral. So you can see 34 coming from the inside, safety over the top, outside linebacker coming from the outside, Kid catches the ball right there, just like the three-on-one corral that we just showed. Another couple examples of that. So we want to practice these situations. Look here, they hit a tight end, little pop pass hook. We have an inside backer, a roll down safety, and then a, a high safety coming on a three-man corral. So we practice these as a team, and we want to be a great team tackling defense not just an individual tackling defense. Again, trying to show you examples of different players involved. Here's a corner, a safety, and an outside backer here. So they complete a slant in the window. We've got the corner, the safety, and the inside backer running in a three-man corral right there. couple examples of using the sideline as a corral. Again, an out route. So you can see here our outside linebackers out leveraged by this out route. 
We have a corner who's bailing to cover three. They've got the completion. We need to make the tackle. We've got the sideline as a defender over there. We want to make sure the ball does not cut back. Okay, here's another example of a sideline corral. This actually between a corner and a defensive end. So number 40 here is the defensive end who comes free from the inside. And there's two spokes to that three-man corral with the sideline being the other. You can see the corner does a good job putting the lid on the corral here. So sometimes even your D-line and secondary work together. Hope you've enjoyed this talk. At Westfield, I believe the best defenses we've had have always been our best tackling defenses. Hopefully we've showed you some things that you can do individually for your players to become better players as individual tacklers, but then also on the team approach. How is your team tackling? How are your angles? How are your force defenders? How are your corrals? Good luck this season. If we can do anything to help you out, don't hesitate to contact us. God bless.